to the Lord for he is good for his love endures forever let the sons of Israel say his love endures forever I call to the Lord in my distress and he answered and set me free the Lord is at my side I do not fear what can man do against me it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes they compass me they compass me Looking across, you see that Glenstall, above the village of Maroon, is really on a slope of uh, rising hills, about 800 feet above sea level. Uh, the castle, so-called, is a kind of a fraud. It was built in, around, began building in around 1833, and in imitation of uh, a combination of Romanesque and Hibernico architecture. It was kind of a folly of its time, built by Limerick family as a shooting lodge. It's not complete, and where the modern church is standing, that should have been part of the overall keep, including a chapel in the original designs. Uh, it's built like many other castles of its time, Adair, um, Lord Inchiquin's place, uh, Drumoland, and so on. Uh, it was the style to do that type of restoration in the 1800s. Uh, and Glenstall has uh, several square keeps and towers. One tower was added at the time, that a similar tower was added to Windsor Castle. It was a fashion to do that type of thing. It's very romantic. The main doorway as you go in is in romantic Rom, uh, Romanesque style with two figures, uh, one of Henry II, the invader, and his wife, Eleanor of Aquitaine. The date, 1169, is on that, to give the impression that the castle dates from that time. They're carrying scrolls saying, Cae the Meal of Fortune. Glenstall Abbey is built on wooded parkland near the village of Maru, about nine miles from Limerick City. Glenstall Castle was for many years the residence of the Barrington family. In the 1920s, it became the property of the Benedictines, and a country estate was transformed into a Benedictine monastery. The Benedictines opened a school, now a famous secondary school. Glenstall is a boarding school, a boys' college, with about 180 students. Wednesday, March 30th, was the final day of term, prior to the Easter holidays in 1977. Shoes. Books. A bit of work over the holidays. Couple of pairs of pyjamas. Shirt. Poster. That should be it. My name is Kevin O'Sullivan and uh, I'm doing the leaving at the end of the year and I intend to do science next year at, uh, at university and uh, so I hope to specialise in biological sciences. Um, the subjects I'm doing this year are physics and chemistry and maths. So far in your life I've been living in what I would call a shell 
Um, everything has been done for me so far. I'm now 17 years of age and I'm coming to, as you say, leaving school. It's going to be very different, I know, but I must say I look forward to it. It's going to be a different pattern of life. I'm going to be responsible for my own actions. I'm going to be responsible for myself. I notice around the room here, around your little room here, you've got a lot of uh, horses on the wall. Are you interested That's in right. horses? I am very interested in Tell me a little bit. Um, well, I'm more or less interested in the thoroughbred breeding industry, racing, racehorses and that. Not so much in uh, the equestrian horse, thoroughbred world, breeding and that. And that's what I hope to do when I leave school, actually. I'm not one of those going to university. In fact, most of the students in this sixth-year form will be going to university, but not with me. OK, so you're going to use, um, you're going to use Colin, are you? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put colour on these here, the feathers in here, and put the colour of the sun, I suppose, yeah. The yes, egg. right. What colours What colours have you got on this? You, you Basically, you've got... White. And... And black. And black. Um, could you maybe have bigger areas of white? I could do the whole thing in white, but I don't think it'll do... Like, I mean, I could shade it all in, in colour, and just... And then what would happen? Well... Yes, things might begin to get, begin to get lost. Yeah. Yes, sure. I think yes. Experiment now with colour and see. Okay. Okay. The other the other thing about the colour that I think does happen is some of it will probably come off if you don't if it doesn't look well on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll try it out first. Okay. okay. The only distinctive feature of this school, or really of any school, would be that one would go about achieving these objectives perhaps in a slightly different way. And one can do that in a small school, I suppose, in a way that cannot be done elsewhere. In other words, if you take that the educational objective of any school is to get those who are in that school to make the most of whatever potential they have, which I think is what the educational objective is, people would differ as to how to define making the best of oneself. But if... And I would say, of course, that there is always a spiritual dimension to making the best of oneself, that one can never be fully oneself or never be the sort of person one should be without the touch of the spirit. But that's beside the point. It's uh, how one goes about the achieving an objective that would make a school different from another school. And there are inbuilt advantages in a small school in that one can go about this in a reasonably leisurely way, taking account of... Uh, the individuality of each boy in the school and trying to provide for him what he needs as an individual, obviously within the framework of an organized timetable. But one has tremendous freedom and flexibility. The smaller the school is, the smaller the classes are. And if uh, the small boarding school such as this is has any real advantage, it's certainly in that area. When I started with this, it was once a pillowcase. And... Um, now I got a pencil and I drew around it and um, I drew a fish. And then I drew weeds on it and I put drew around the weeds. And I put little fish, like the big sharks, you'll see they have little fish to eat off any worms or anything on their backs. And I put lots of little fish around them. And then when this was finished, I got um, the teacher, Mr Sutherland, to melt the wax and he melted it. And at first it was too hot, and I stuck the paintbrush in, and it was, 
and the whole paintbrush melted. So I had to get a new paintbrush when it cooled down, and I stuck it in, and I painted around the lines I painted, or I drawn with pencil. And then when I had this done, I was all finished and ready, and the place where I had the pencil done was waxed. So then Mr Sutherland got the dye made, and we stuck it in the dye. And then it came out, and you can see around these lines, it is all where the weeds and the fishes that um, is all white. And then we peeled off the white and set the place where we want to stay white. And um, we waxed different areas that we wanted to stay at um, that colour red. And um, then we waxed that area and we stuck it into a different dye. And then we did red in this area and we had white there and we'll have blue then after that dye. Uh, what I'd like you to do is to bring back, if you can, a T-shirt, a white T-shirt. Okay, white T-shirt to print, to print, to print on it. No, not batik. To print with silk screen. We're going to do batik, but not on. It doesn't really. Yeah, We have material. We have special. We have special material for that. Kites. Well, if we get if we get paper, we have this, we have the thing for printing the ties. But bring in a T-shirt, okay? Because I want everybody to make us one silk screen, fast, and to design. Okay, so will everybody? Everybody bring in a t- uh, bring in a white John John white t-shirt. white t-shirt okay okay good luck in your test thank you very much happy Easter they are very pleasant people to deal with there's no doubt about that the basic relationship between the staff and the boys here is excellent now whether that's uh, uh, because of the virtue of the boys or the virtue of the staff I'm not quite sure probably uh, partly. The boys and partly the staff. They're certainly both parties are contributing to it. It's certainly not the result of any specific charism on the part of the staff. It's certainly a two-way traffic. But there is an openness. I admit that certainly, and it's one of the things which makes life pleasant here. There are not many unpleasant encounters in the round of uh, the day. I'm Desmond Beattie and um, I'm going to Belgium next year, next term, for the whole term and a Belgian boy is coming here to Glenstall. I'll be leaving this Sunday after Easter Sunday for about three, two, two or three months and um, now the place is Maratsu, it's called Maratsu, it's a Benedictine monastery and it's south of a big city in Belgium called Namur and I fly to Brussels and take a train to Namur with all the all the Maratsu boys, so I'd meet them before I arrive at the school. I'm not sure what happens to the boy who's coming over here. He, I think he just flies to Dublin and takes a train down again with the Glenstall boys. It's one of the aspects of the school, in fact, because as well as myself just going to Maratsu, there's two boys going to France to different schools, and there's a number of boys going to Germany. I myself may be going on to Germany when the French, the Belgian term ends and finish off the German term because the German term goes on until the end of July. I'll be going to a place called St. Ottilian, which is near Munich. And one of, my, one of the boys from here will already be there, but hopefully we'll be speaking no English. At least we better not speak any English. Um, what is the purpose of this exchange? Well, the purpose of the exchange is to be able to, you know, get a 
basic knowledge of the language, both French and German, which, well, both, I wouldn't mind getting a decent honour in my leaving, but um, I basically go to learn the language, to be able to speak the language. My name is Jérôme Lusseroy, I'm French, and uh, I study English in Glenstall, and I'm returning back uh, at the end of the term. That Why did you come to Glenstall? Why to this school rather than another oh, school? Oh, just because some friends... Uh, my brother came here before, and uh, we knew so that it's the only school a bit... Uh, I don't know really how, why I came here, but my, I think my school has some relation with that school. How long have you been here? So, uh, six months, that means two terms. And you're going home tomorrow? I am, yeah. Excuse me. You're coming back again? Uh, no, I don't think so. Perhaps in two years to see a bit uh, everybody again, but uh, no, not after. You're going home for good tomorrow? Yeah, I'm going home for good tomorrow, yeah. My name's Paul O'Brien. I have a beehive. I've paid about £30 for the hive, including all the equipment. I hope in about two years' time that I will be able to get bees and produce honey, which will give me back what I have paid for it. It is, it, we have a lot of help from one of the uh, brothers here, and it is part of the farm work, which is uh, a part of the occupation that some of the boys do here. They go down to the farm and work with the hives. There's about 13 boys who have hives, and they all also work on the farm. Five. Five, two. Five three. Table tennis is very interesting. It's a good game. It's you have to have lots of skill, and you can have like some boys maybe maybe bad at it, but they can learn from a professional. Well, a good boy, you can teach them a few things, and they can become better and good, and then they can go off to clubs and join and so on. They can go over the world and everything like that and meet other people, and it's educational in a sense way. And um, I myself, you know, I'm, I'm good, and I teach some boys who are bad, like, and uh, you have to have very good backhand and forehand, like, I mean, some boys might give you a big high smash and you can just use a forehand and put it away, you know? Normally... Without extras, we cater for about 240 people, which keeps us rather busy. We have the occasional ups and downs, of course. What will the score be today? Would you say Ireland win? No? Indoor soccer is usually played with about five or six members of the members of the school. We, we pick teams. Uh, it's a great, uh, it's one of the biggest occupations we have in the school. Uh, we play it every break we get nearly. Quite a lot of us do. Um, 
uh, you, it's, it's great for developing your skills because you have to be very good with the footwork. And, but it's also very exhausting. There's lots of soccer leagues which are made by the seniors. And we have competitions to find out uh, which team are the best from, from big teams. Is it one of the big games in Denstall? Well, it's, it's not uh, counted as big in the... Uh, if you talk about big uh, playing against other schools. But it's, it's big for our fun. It's one of our best games to play. Nearly every boy in the school plays football in the gym. I mean, Seems to me to be very dangerous. I don't know. We all go in hard and if we get, if we get hit, that's, I suppose, we just get up again and get hit again. That's just part of the fun. You have to take it. Everybody else, every boy is prepared to do that. What does end of term mean to you, nurse? It's a, it's a great relief to me, the end of term, and especially this term, because this, the Christmas term, this is Christmas or Easter oh, term, Easter. this is Easter term, and uh, the Easter term is always, a, we always have an epidemic of flu, so I have nearly every boy in bed with flu, and so they, sometimes they go back twice or three times with relapse. So it's great to get away. Marvellous to get away. How would you feel if in fact, at the end of term, some some of the lads were in bed and sick and couldn't get home. Would you feel in some way that you uh, were responsible? Or? Oh, I often had to stay a few days extra. You know, if they're ba- in bed sick, and but their parents are quite good. They usually come along after a day or two and take them home after a day. Two days, anyway. The very most I've ever spent here, you know, with boys in bed. What is life like in the infirmary? Um... Pretty dull at the moment, actually. Uh, there's not much to do. You can watch television at night, but uh, during the day all you have to do is convalesce, lie back, take things easy. Um, if you're very sick, um, you have to just lie down all day, but you can read a good supply of books and literature there to be read. What is wrong with you? I have uh, sore throat and headache at the moment. I have slight temperature, but not very much. Do you hope to get home tomorrow? Oh, yes, I hope so. How would you feel if you had to spend uh, another week, say, in the infirmary? I wouldn't feel too well about it. I think I'd take longer recovery in that way. When you come into the um, main hall, then, you'll find that uh, it has, there are several pathways. Uh, given the impression of an Italian uh, interior castle. Uh, And the main hall itself is very simple with arches and a very homely type of brick in the ceiling, uh, flanked by um, ancient Irish elk, probably a few thousand years old, and uh, a a very uh, noble marble stairway with a great deal of detail of uh, corbels under the roof, which wouldn't normally be seen by visitors. They did, although it was a, a sham, they did go to great trouble to make it authentic uh, in the actual building. Here then, leading into the, one of the main rooms, is a monastic doorway taken locally. And inside this room here then, we have a most unusual archway leading to the drawing room. And that is an imitation of the 11th century archway in the cathedral in Killaloo, about 11 miles away. We go on then through the drawing room itself, which is rather elaborate, as you can see, uh, with 
large oaken beams in the ceiling and uh, terraza-like work on top, and then a magnificent fireplace copied from uh, an imitation of a west doorway of, of Ifley Cathedral. Originally, a picture gallery, and rather modern in the sense that the light comes in from the ceiling to allow light on the paintings, and the floor were then is done like a Roman pavement in um, a coloured brick, with the motto of the Barrington family and some good advice to speed the parting guest and welcome the coming guest. And for the, there we go on. Then this, of course, is now used as one of the refectories for the boys. You had paintings here on the walls at one stage. We had some valuable paintings, and uh, we didn't realise their value. Somebody by chance suggested they might be worth looking into. And when we realised they were valuable, we were afraid of the damage that was done from steaming cabbage and potatoes and so on, and decided that we couldn't afford insurance, so that we sold them and hoped to um, build part of the monastery with the proceeds. We uh, then go on to what is the second refectory, which was originally the library of the castle. It's one of the big round towers that one sees on approaching the building. Um, It's an eight-sided room. In the centre is a pier, a very large pier rising to the ceiling, and this has mirrored glasses uh, in it which reflects the light from the rather dull light of the windows. From the pier you have capitals on top of each column and then arches rising up and painted blue with stars to give the impression of paradise, as you find in medieval uh, cathedrals in France or uh, Italy. The woodwork is very interesting. It all tapers in from the uh, outside, the circular outside of the room, right into the centre, to the, this pier in the centre, and very fine uh, woodwork it is. When did you come to Glenstall? Well, at first, in 1928, at the very beginning of the foundation, in January 1928. So I went back to Belgium in October to continue the study of philosophy and theology. Then I was sent back here in 1939 until April 42. And then went over as chaplain to the Belgian forces in the war. Sent back here in December 45. And since then, I'm here. What do you do for? Well, now... I'm uh, what we call a semi-pensioner, huh? old age, helping here and there and uh, taking care of this hobby club, uh, bicycles and woodwork and uh, metalwork too. And then I do some little jobs in the farm, keeping the uh, red tape, you know, the blue cards and all that kind of stuff. And uh, well, that's about all. What else? Oh, no, I'm taking care of the uh, Old Boys Society, secretary of the Old Boys Society, keeping contact with all the old boys. Well, you see, there was a fire there, and the chimney got hot, and it's sort of a makeshift chimney, and there's plastic inside the walls, and it started to burn. And we spent about £40 putting out the fire with the fire extinguishers, and the headmaster wasn't very pleased himself. That wasn't the reason it was closed. I mean, the, we were going to clear the place down here because the headmaster was getting a bit uh, annoyed because it was becoming a bit of a dive. 
and we started off great. What do you mean by a bit of a dive? What you know, it was just sort of a den. Everybody come down here to just smoke their guts out and do nothing else, just laze around all day. So we started great. We cut down trees and everything. But then um, some people decided to have a rest and they had a smoke and they got caught and that was sort of the last straw, really. And then it was closed. Yeah. Who built the... Um, this the fort- shed? Would you call it a shed or would I insult you in calling oh, it a shed? Oh, you would, yeah. <laughs> well, a hut. The fort years of two years ago built it. And they built it for a common room for themselves, and uh, it was carried on then. Every fourth year had it after that. But they never got to use it. Like, they, by the time they'd built it, uh, it was the end of the year, so it was passed on to the next yeah. year. And you and, got it? And we got Well, no, the last year, this is two years ago, it got built. And uh, originally they were going to it, like, they never really finished it, like, it was pretty makeshift. And the furniture? The furniture, well, that was, uh, <laughs> that was acquired from the school, bits and pieces of it, you know. <laughs> half it went up the chimney. Burnt <laughs> half. Did you actually make the chairs yourself? Chairs? No, we knocked them all off. I mean, we uh, borrowed them from the school. Sort of. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Indefinite amount of time, as he says. Yeah, we right. borrowed from the actual place, but we've sort of moved ourselves outside, and um, we live out there now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you erected another hut? Oh no, oh. we just made a little corner over there in the trees. <laughs> you live in the open. Yep. Yeah. Kind of Going back to the jungle laws. <laughs> well, the various aspects of wildlife here vary from the small birds, that's to say the garden birds, which you'll find anywhere really in Glenstall in the uh, deciduous or carnivorous woodland, right up then to the fallow deer, which you'll find in the surrounding hillsides, that's the Schlieffele Mountains. But there is, they do come down to the nearby bog, and uh, the best time to see these would be in the morning, when groups of people can get up around about, at this time of the year, anyway, around about half past six, and they'll go up there and have a go at trying to get close to them, stalking them. And uh, in that way, they learn the tricks of the trade, you know, for instance, how to avoid the wind. And generally, in trying to, it's more of a challenge than anything else, trying to stalk the deer and be able to watch it in its natural environment without disturbing it. You know, it's all very easy for anybody to go into a park and see deer, but to be able to see them in the wild is quite a achievement you know how often do you go on nature walks well really whenever I have free time you know and um, it all depends what type of the year it is at at, say in the winter time okay you have wildfowl coming into the lakes and obviously that uh, presents plenty of opportunities for watching duck which come in the winter side in the winter time we have mallard or teal widgeon and potchard coming in to the lakes here and um, we usually set up hides and things so that the members of the club here can watch them. Uh, then in the summer time, we have the mute swans coming into the nest, which presents a good opportunity of being able to watch them at the nest. We can put up hides again on the island in the big lake here, down by the gains pitches, and um, things like that. But uh, for the, if you just want to go out for an ordinary walk, there are plenty of small species of birds, the normal garden birds, finches, titmice, robins, etc., which are, you know, very numerous here and give plenty of opportunities of watching them. How many of you go out together? Well, it's best normally to keep the numbers small because you have a better chance of seeing something if you make least noise and try and uh, get close to things without disturbing them. Um, Usually about three or four would be the maximum. You're from Derry. You're going back to Derry tomorrow. That's right, yeah. How do you feel? Uh... Well, it's, I find when I get down here to Glenstall, you know, it's quite a relief to get away from all the trouble and, you know, distortion of community and society. You know, it's, it's great to be able to 
get amongst people who aren't biased in any way against any types of religion or anything like that. Or, you know, it's much more free feeling to be able to walk around, you know, without having that sort of a feeling in the back of your mind of anything that might happen, you know. Some boys um, in our school go uh, deer watching, usually around um, half six to half seven, since that's the best time, you know. If, if they go down too late, well, the deer just go into hiding. Um, there's about 30 red deer around the bog, which is at the back of our school. Some boys um, photograph these deer, and um, some excellent photographs have been taken. My name is Declan Dowdle, and I uh, live in a Pacific island, which is about 8.2 square miles. It's about 2,500 miles off the coast of Australia, and it's a very wealthy republic since it uh, exports phosphate, which is a very valuable mineral. It's by plane 17,000 miles from Ireland, but if you go um, as the bird flies, it's only about 12,000 miles, but still it's a considerable distance. I come to this school mainly because of my, uh, my parents were here, at least my father was here, and also my uncle happened to be abbot here. And that's really the only reason I come here, because other schools could be a lot closer. Yeah. You're obviously not going home for your holidays today. No, it's a bit too long and a bit too expensive too. It's probably around about £600 there and back, and with about three-week holiday, it takes about f four days to get there, another four days to come back, so my holiday would be virtually completely gone by the time I got, got there and back. Uh, you, you fish the lake here, in fact. Yeah, we uh, fish for trout. I, I think the best time is uh, summer, nights with flies. It's, you can haul in quite a few fish, you know, three or four of good, good sized fish. Not very good sized fish because it's only a small lake, but around about a pound and a half and get a good breakfast out of it. Do you cook the fish yourself? No, we have to skin them and clean them out, and then our cook at school, Miss Brennan, kindly cooks them for us. You fish the lakes here too? I do fish the lakes, yes. Um, I fish in this chapel lake for trout, and then there's a the, uh, few other lakes. There's Big Lake, which is farther away, about half a mile, and then the Avenue Lakes in the, um, in the Big Lake. You can uh, fish for pike, which uh, in my second year and third year, we made several trips to Loch Gur to fish the pike, to bring them back and stock up the lake, and now the... Um, the pike are, are breathing very well and numerous, they're very numerous now and um, in the other avenue lakes there it's mainly trout uh, they're about a pound, pound and a half there are four lakes only three fishing lakes and then there's a couple of sewer lakes but um, the, there's a stagnant lake down below which I don't think there are any fish caught mainly th three lakes for fishing in uh, also in the big lake, there was um, a cannibal trout caught last year, four and a half pounder. And we've reason to believe that there may be others, because um, none since that have been fished out, and there were several caught but got away. And uh, <coughs> some of the pike there have grown to be quite large, four or five pounds now, since they were put in there a couple of years ago. My name is Brian Leggett and uh, I come down to this farm, Little Install Farm, usually Saturday afternoons uh, to get in, chip in some work with, uh, with the monks. And uh, you have always something to do here. There's never once have I been bored here. I've, I haven't come down here now for a while, but I know I need, every time I have come down here there's always something to do. They have um, over 200 cows here 
and uh, not all of them let's say get uh, get get milked all the time or but uh, the the amount they have though is is quite considerable they're bringing in new calves um, every day coming in from uh, from Kerry and uh, they keep that total amount we have over uh, to over 500 to 600 acres certainly not less than 500 and uh, the cows are all set in different fields for different seasons for the last week now they've been uh, planting corn down in, uh, in another part of the farm and this week they're on the potato planter and uh, the farm actually supplies the school with its own milk and, uh, and potatoes which is an advantage Ryan you, you come down here working on the farm all the time and this is a new machine they've got on the farm. What exactly is this? Well, this is their new uh, Trojan tractor. It's, in fact, a, a silage lifter, which takes up the silage from one area of the farm to the other. Now, they used to have to shift silage by hand for 50 cows for two days, but this does it within uh, about an hour. And uh, it's completely a new idea on this farm. It's, uh, it's well padded inside, and it's a low-noise cab. And sooner or later, the lawn here will be in Ireland that uh, these will all have to be compulsory. The reason that it is low noise is that you can fit a stereo in as well. And, uh, There's a stereo radio playing now, in fact. In fact, yes, we have that. It's got cassette co combined as well. Also, everything here is all fingertip. You've only tip and everything works for you. It all looks very heavy outside, but from inside it's just nothing. There's no problem about it. And uh, uh, the fact is that uh, this tractor we hopefully to have a long time. Uh, the other, we have other tractors as well, which aren't quite full up with, to that extent. But from this one, we hope to sort of advance on, perhaps, maybe. But it's a new toy, everybody likes it, you know, and uh, we hope to get further on with it. How many of the students take an interest in this? There aren't, uh, there aren't all that many now, actually. Some of them are mainly from the country, country themselves, and uh, so there used to be this. You would get people from the city who come down to look, but when it comes to work, well, it's a little bit different, you know. <laughs> This is the uh, CIE truck taking the trunks away. Um, is it, your trunk is here, I think. It is just, just in front of me there, actually. I yeah. had to pack that within a rush, but it's all worth it in the end just to get it in here and get it off to Limerick Junction, and then we don't see it till we come back into Dublin. And uh, that's one great thing. Once we see it in Dublin, everything's finished then for a while, for at least three weeks, hopefully. basically what these boys are doing here? Well, in Glenstall, as in all other schools, it's necessary to have some form of discipline. In Glenstall here, our main form of discipline is detention. This consists of two periods of a week, each period with a duration of an hour long. If a boy has an excess amount of detention, if he's too much, well, then he has to stay in on Sunday night, which is an extra thing for an hour and a half. Uh, while they're in detention, they sit down and they do some extra work. For the juniors, first and second years, they're given essays because they rarely have much else to do. 
you know, their extra hour. So we give them an essay to keep them quiet. Who mm. imposes the detention? Prefects mainly, because they take the studies. And also um, masters or anybody with anything to do at the school has a right to give detention. What are you in here for? Oh, well, I had an, an hour last week for messing and study or something, talking or passing a note, and I had two hours. So the hours just left on to this week because I couldn't work it off all last week. Are you uh, habitually in detention? or what is your Well, condition? some weeks, sometimes I'd be on like uh, two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. Sometimes I'm off two or three weeks in a row. just comes every now and again get detention so I kept out for out of it for about a month and then I came then I've been in for the past two weeks well I suppose it has to be done or some form of punishment but it wrecks the Wednesday and Saturday afternoons like cuts them all in half having to come in here to study because usually we have study at this time but on Saturdays and uh, Wednesdays we don't and then that it's like having a study anyway so it just cuts a day in half what was the maximum period you you've spent in well, about eight hours. What was that for? A number of different things. I think I got two hours for messing in the dormitory, you know, pillow fights and just talking and the rest of the thing, and a couple of hours in the tent in study, passing notes, messing, whatever it is, eating. There are not many unpleasant encounters in the round of uh, the day. By that I mean that people are not sour, that they're open, that people don't sulk very much, that they accept whatever correction, mild corrections, come their way. And uh, uh, that's possibly because these corrections are made in the right way. But that they, they know, they feel instinctively that people are on their side. There's no sort of we-they atmosphere. But this is not very specific of this particular school. As far as I'm concerned, the attitude... Uh, towards authority and the relationships between staff and boys in most schools have improved enormously over the last ten years. Ten o'clock, Wednesday night, going home tomorrow. High spirits. Can't get a half an hour flogged off! Can't get a half an hour flogged off!